0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at soundtalentmedia.com.
1: My wife and, and my my friends and band members they're, they're, they say I'm 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 like blissfully ignorant to to my uh, cult status or something or, or or you know that thing or whatever. But I honestly man, like I thought nobody would really care if I came back to music. It was just going to be a fun, whatever thing. And and I posted on the internet that I was doing it and it just went like nuts. And then we put out our first song and that went nuts. And then all these people were hitting us up for opportunities to do things. And just, it's been insane, but I never knew that, anybody really even cared that i did music before like
0: hey what's up vox and hops heads i'm matt the vocalist of cryptopsy and the host of the vox and hops metal podcast brought to you by sound talent media and evergreen podcasts where i sit down with fellow metal musicians talk about their lives music and craft beer i hope you've been having a glorious week so far today is the first day of february and that means that we have now officially entered Voxenhop's Sober February 2022 which is proudly presented by Pitch Black North the Satanic Tea Company. I am beyond stoked to have Pitch Black North as the presenting sponsor of Voxenhop's Sober February 2022. If you're not aware as to who Pitch Black North is, well, let me tell you a little bit about them right now. Pitch Black North is the most sinful, the best satanic tea company in existence. All of their teas are ethically sourced, expertly crafted, and they are made in small batches. You can head on over to their website, pitchblacknorth.com. That's P-I-T-C-H-B-L-A-C-K-N-O-R-T-H dot com. That's pitchblacknorth.com, and you can check out some of their amazing, products that they have up there right now, such as the Cryptopsy None So Vile, the Lavender Black Tea with Hops, as well as their antichrist pumpkin spiced chai and their throat of lucifer just to name a few when you are checking out you can use the promo code voxhops15 that's v-o-x-h-o-p-s-1-5 and you will save 15% off of your entire purchase i'm beyond stoked to have pitch black north the satanic tea company as the main sponsor of vox and hops sober february 2022 This Vox & Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal is Montreal's premier metal promoter. They put on a bunch of sick shows all year long, but more than that, they also put on one of North America's best metal festivals. Trust me when I say this, I have played gigs all across the globe, and Heavy Montreal are by far one of the best promoters out there. I am beyond stoked to have them behind the Vox & Hops Metal Podcast. Now before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice, but more than that, I'm also asking you to tell a friend about the podcast. If there's someone in your life that is sober, someone that does not partake in craft beer, someone that may be straight edge, someone that never drank a beer in their life, well you can tell them that the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast exists and you can tell them that I am doing a whole month of sober episodes. By you encouraging one of your friends to become a future Hop's head, that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now, today on the podcast, I am with Ricky Hoover of Of Sulfur. Get ready, everyone. This is Voxenhops episode number 321. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up everyone today? I'm with Ricky Hoover of Of Sulfur. How are you doing, Ricky? It's great to catch up with you finally. Uh, Bradley Zorgdragger has been trying to put us in a room together for quite some time, and I'm very, very happy that he did.
1: I'm fantastic. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm pumped to be on.
0: Very, very stoked to have you. Uh, I typically always start my podcast in the same way, and I ask about how you coped with your time away from the stage, but uh, you're a little bit different. So I'm not going to ask that question. I'm going to go straight to question number two, which would be, uh, um, I would love to hear about the soundtrack of your youth when you were growing up in your parents or guardians house, what music was playing when you were not in control of the music? Oh man. What music did your parents or guardians listen to?
1: I, uh, I had a plethora of music. So, um, my dad was primarily classic rock. um, and then my grandma would watch us during the daytime so that would consist of uh like oldies and motown and stuff like that and then uh my cu- my older cousins were into like you know like some of the new metal type stuff so and then whenever i'd go anywhere with my mom we'd listen to like 80s pop so i pretty much listened to like everything with a little bit of country and everything too so
0: See, it's good to be exposed to so many things early on. Oh, yeah. Just, just you know, not being pigeonholed and, and thinking that this is the only music that exists. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then also not having the choice to listen to the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> As of now, you know, now, nowadays kids, I feel like they have such a variety and they can escape. But back in the day, there was that music and that was the music that we had to listen to because there was nothing else that we could escape to, really.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Like my aunt, whenever she would watch me we would listen to like country or like Wilson Phillips, <laughs> uh, you know? Like, so I got a lot of crap for that, but I actually liked Wilson Phillips too for a long time. So, you know, it's pretty funny.
0: I love how that happens. Um, <laughs> uh, how about the first band that you really fell in love with? Something that didn't come from a family member, didn't come from someone around the band that you brought into the house.
1: Hmm. First band that I really fell in love with. Uh, probably like T.S.O.L. Mm hmm. You know, I listened to a lot of punk. Uh, I kind of found punk myself, I guess you could say. Uh, Nobody really introduced me to that other than like maybe some other kids at school back then. But I'd probably say like I used to listen to TSOL a lot or uh, like adolescence. Adolescence, I was a real big adolescence fan. Plus, I'm from Fullerton. So that's a lot of that stuff came from Fullerton, you know, an orange.
0: How did your family react to that vibe coming into the house?
1: Uh, You know, my dad was never super into it you know uh now you know because it was the same with like metal and whatnot but like you know like now if i go anywhere with my parents and i'm driving i put it on and you know or my dad will like will like talk about different vocals (laughs) it's pretty funny yeah that's
0: amazing see it's full circle now now they have to put up with what you're listening to (laughs) yeah (laughs) i love that um i want to hear about your first shows uh the first live music experience that you went to go witness do you remember the first show that you went to go see
1: first show would probably be going and seeing my uncle's country western band i used to see them play all the time when i was like super young like i don't even remember how old i was it was really really young but the first like i guess like the first show i went to that i can you know i was older i guess i was like 12 or 13 (laughs) <laughs> i went and saw uh ario speedwagon sticks and the scorpions
0: shit yes that was yeah. your dad that brought you to that one i can see huh? the classic rock father brought you to that one.
1: Oh, that was so that was my uh that was a family friend uh him and his wife were musicians and they were friends with my uncle and, and my aunt. And they had a, a, a kid, a daughter that was my, my age as well. So they offered to take me to go see a, see see them. And I loved the Scorpions. I still mm. love the Scorpions so, yeah. and sticks. So,
0: yeah. You, can, you can't get away from it. It's just the winds of change. It's, <laughs> it's too goddamn catchy. You can't get away from it. I remember.
1: Ario Speedwagon was really good too.
0: Hell yeah. I remember waking up, and turning on a little TV in my house. This is in the 90s. And for some reason, they were playing a music video. I didn't have, like, cable or anything. It was antenna, whatever.
1: Oh, Uh, same here, man. And
0: uh, I only got cable and satellite way later in my life. And for some reason, it was, like, 6 o'clock in the morning, and they were playing Winds of Change, the video, on CBC. And I don't know why, but damn that it ever it hit me deep <laughs> <laughs> vox and hops is typically all about uh, hanging out with my metal friends talking about their lives music and craft beer but this is a sober february uh, episode because uh you're straight edge and you don't in partake in alcohol whatsoever or drugs yep. or anything like that because then that's we're definitely going to dance into that later but um i don't know if you have something that you're going to drink on your side something that you like
1: <laughs> i wish i would have known i did i, I for some reason i spaced but I have some power, in. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that works.
0: <laughs> it absolutely does. It absolutely does. Uh, on my well, side, I'm going to be drinking something uh, very cool. This is Pitch Black North's uh, collab they oh, drop yeah. for Cryptopsy. It uh, is the sick. lavender black tea with hops. Absolutely love it pitch black north the satanic tea company out of calgary uh dominic uh the guy that runs it is just super super sick so this is a
1: i have a bunch of that downstairs actually i wish i would have remembered and made it
0: that's amazing yeah
1: he sent me a care package i love it
0: yeah he's so cool i love i love his socials and i love the products really really good so this is a lavender black tea and there's actually like hunks of hops in the tea because he made it for Cryptopsy and we actually had a beer that had this tea in it and it was a, a super cool collab no with, shit. with New Level Brewing awesome. also out of Calgary. So I'm enjoying that. Uh, cheers to you with your right on. on. Oh, oh yeah.
1: yeah there, there you go. <laughs> Damn it. I wish I would have I I made some tea. Oh, today's been a day, man.
0: Just no stress. We're going to touch about it, touch everything and, and, and go over everything that we need to go over. Just no stress. Uh, let's jump straight into Of Sulfur I typically ask this. You're a person that makes me ask my questions in a different order, and I like that. Um, I always ask how people have been filling the void of not performing because of the pandemic. Yet, you come from a different aspect because you didn't perform for a very long time after leaving Suffocate, and here you are now with a new project. So how did you fill the void of performing, being on stage, getting that uh, Mm -hmm. reciprocal energy that we typically get from a crowd?
1: Uh, I mean... (sighs) Well, when I, so when I left music, right, you know, 10 years ago, um, I became a barber. Mm-hmm. I just delved into barbering and, and built this career in it and, and whatnot and had, had kids and, you know, had, a, had to move to a different state and then got married and, and all this, you know, all this crazy stuff. And then the pandemic happened mm-hmm. and I couldn't work and, and I'm very if I'm not doing something creative or if I'm not creating in any, anything, basically, I get very um, complacent. So I originally just wanted to like jam with people. And uh, I never in a million years thought it would uh, turn into what it's turned into. I guess uh, I didn't know the effect I had on people back in the day from what my bandmates are telling me, um, you know, cause I always thought we were like, small fish, you know, in a big pond basically. And, 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 cause I always wanted to get to like the next level. And, uh, apparently I was wrong because this is <laughs> been insane. So coming back to it has been very overwhelming. I'll say that. It's I love been that. Very overwhelming.
0: I like how similar <laughs> it is to Lord Worm's story when he left after recording None So Vile and he came back to the band after two three albums came out that he wasn't a part of he didn't know that the band was popular and that none so vile was a cult album so that's very interesting that you too you 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 always wanted to get to the next level because as artists we're never satisfied and Mm -hmm. you left (laughs) suffocate and then here you are that there's all the accolades and everyone freaking out about the hype around ricky crazy
1: that's crazy (laughs) it's very my 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 wife and it's funny talking about it because you feel like you're not being what Mm -hmm. it is but like my wife and, and my, my friends and band members, they 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 say I'm, 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 uh, what's the word? Uh, or I'm like blissfully ignorant to, to my, uh, cult status or something mm-hmm. or, 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 you know, that thing or whatever. But I honestly, man, like I thought nobody would really care if I came back to music, it was just going to be a fun, whatever thing. and, and, I posted on the internet that I was doing it and it just went like nuts. That's amazing. And then we put out our first song and that went nuts. And then all these people were hitting us up for opportunities to do things. And just, it's been insane, but I never knew that anybody really even cared that I did music before. Like I've had people come up to me and be like, yo, check out my tattoo. And it's my lyrics. Wow. Yeah. It's insane. Or, or, I just signed. I just signed a guy in his his girlfriend's arm and leg. My signature, and they got him tattooed later that night. That's photos, crazy. My signature. Yeah, that's crazy. And then uh, the second album I did with with Suffocate was called "Return to Despair," and that whole album was about killing myself. Hmm. That's all the lyrics were about. I wrote. I was in a very dark, dark place. And I've had people come up to me and literally hug me and for like minutes and minutes and minutes, crying, crying in my arms telling me that i saved their life with that album it's the craziest thing i had no idea
0: so you left you left and you just went totally into a bubble away from music yes
1: i left metal completely
0: which means you you also must have cut ties with a lot of friends that you've made along the way for you to be so oblivious to the fact that you you have the cult status as you mentioned there yeah because my boy it was like it was a super hype i would be like dude you're super hype why the fuck are you doing music (laughs)
1: You know, I would have people on Instagram because somehow I, I kind of, you know, and I don't have this crazy Instagram following in the aspect of it. But I mean, I, I you know, I have, I think now it's like 35 or 36,000 or something. Yeah. Yeah. But that wasn't really from doing music. It was from just barbering and being like a whatever person for what I thought. But I would have people comment on my stuff being like, dude, come back to music, please come back to music. When are you coming back? And I'd be like, I'm never going to do it again never you know (laughs) what what made
0: you why did you have to leave because i know for myself like music is so important it's a part of my identity
1: you know for for so i was in shit man i was in so many local bands for so many years Mm -hmm. that just you know members wouldn't want to do stuff or or this this and that and then i see on my space right suffocate's looking for a singer and i remembered suffocate and I was a fan, but I kind of lost touch with them, but I, I, hit them up. I sent them a recording of my voice, terrible recording, terrible, <laughs> but they got the gist and they're like, yeah, you want to come up and drought. So I drove up that night, eight hours, got there at three or four in the morning, Wow. tried out. And from then on for the next four years or so, it was literally nonstop. Never, never slow down. You know, I mean, little breaks in between barely, but for the most part, music was my entire everything life. And I got so burnt out on it. Plus me and the bandmates, we weren't getting along. I was very, I was very immature in my dealing with aggressive and, and difficult things. So I was always quick to violence. I would always get in people's faces and be quick to that. And, you know, through the years later realizing and and working on myself, I realized how you can't be like that. But it was just so much and i just I hated living like that and and i've i've seen a lot of people in these bands they go on stage and i'm not cat throwing shade on anybody right but they go on stage and they have this attitude and this aura about them and they say these things but then off stage that's not them at all
0: that's true that's a, that's like 60 70% of the people
1: you know and and these people acting like they're this, this whatever blah, blah blah but for me back then i didn't know i and i still don't know how to do it really i can't be two different people i've never been able to do that but but then I literally lived how I was on stage. And I lived how I was in my music and, and it wasn't healthy. It just it it was just tearing me down. And I you know, there were times where I tried to kill myself when the band was doing the best it's done. Hmm. And there were times where like I daydreamed about walking into traffic and, and wow. just it was nuts, man. And I was living
0: Did it have to do with the the pressure?
1: It was a lot of that and it was just inner turmoil in the band, you yeah. know. And, and like, you know, you're living quote the dream, mm-hmm. but it nobody really realizes what it's like, <laughs> unless they do, it. it's fucking, and hard. that is not an easy lifestyle, man. It's not like Motley Crue in the eighties and nineties and, and whatever. It's, it's not that it's, this shit is grinding. It's hard. It's, you know, you lose relationships with people. You, you, you lose, you even lose sight of yourself a lot of the times too, you know? So, I just it got to be way too much, and i just I needed to step away
0: so you step so, away, you start Requiem, which I want to talk about at a later point. You get married, you got kids um pandemic, and then you're like oh, I, I want to jam mm-hmm. yeah. that that thought comes to you. Had you done any vocals you did the you did the the mitch thing
1: so we did the i did the mitch thing, and then which was. I can't even put it into words, mm. just the amount of emotions and feelings. It's It was good and bad. It was all that stuff, right? It was crazy. But um, it's still hard to talk about it. But, uh, you know, I did, uh, me and my friends were doing, I did like a little like touche more type of thing. Uh, a lot of sweet type of thing with my friend. And we recorded three, three songs, never put it out, never did anything with it. It was just for you. Just pretty much. And, and I thought maybe, but then we ended up, just not, do, not doing it. And then pandemic hit and I was going to start doing YouTube videos just okay. for fun. Um, I ended up trying to start to learn how to do all that and then work started again so I wasn't able to. <laughs> but it was crazy though because I posted a thing on inter- on the internet about that. And literally all of the fans of mine, right? They all paypal me and Venmo'd me and money to be able to buy a setup to do podcasts, computer, everything. They all sent me money in to be able to do it. It was the craziest thing. So I tried to start getting that going, but with having to work and, you know, pay my rent and and car payments and this, this and that, I just couldn't do it. But then, you know, I, I started to hear all these new bands and, and I was like, dude, these vocals are like the ones I've always wanted to do, but, Suffocate never really wanted me to do these types of vocals because we weren't that type of band, and you know, and and but now everybody can do all these kinds of vocals, and everything's mixing. It's expected of us now. It's it's crazy. You can well, it's like you don't have to be, um, you don't have to stay in your lane anymore mm-hmm. with metal. It's crazy. But so I started messing around and, and getting back those vocals that I used to do prior to Suffocate. I used to be into like gore grind music and, mm-hmm. and just gnarly gurgles and gutturals. That was my shit. And you know, as well as hardcore and, and I recorded a, a tiger King cover with a friend of mine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I recorded. I saw a tiger and we even put a video up on YouTube where it's him and I, and I'm Joe dirt. I had a mullet wig. We both had, we're carrying guns. Amazing. I was kick, picking him up. Like he was, uh, I forget the guy's name now with the missing teeth. His, yes. We made a whole funny video about it, but it didn't really do, you know, I ended up accidentally deleting it, which really sucks. Cause I edited it and did everything myself. Hmm. Um, uh, the video, not the audio, but, uh, So that was pretty much all the vocals I've done since recording behind the hand of God. And uh, you know, and even since recording behind the hand of God with the other songs, I started with a vocal coach and every song on that EP you hear, and this is kind of what I wanted to do. You hear my vocals progress with every song. So in every song I'm doing different things. And that was kind of like my goal, you know, That's it. because I started working with, Extreme uh, Metal Vocal Institute. Are
0: you talking about David? David Benitez, Fox and Hobson alumni, love him to death.
1: He's one of the best, most genuine, Mm -hmm. kind people in the world. Like that dude's family. So I started working with him, and he just he's he he's got me to do stuff I never thought I ever could. Stuff that wasn't even on the EP. You know what I mean? That just vocal sounds. So
0: you know, more to come. That's exciting.
1: Yes. Oh, very cool. I can't say too much. No, no, it's cool. But I'm very excited (laughs) for for the other stuff you start doing.
0: So Oblivion came out uh, August 6th. Um, You decided to go independent distributing through Blood Blast. Which is a nuclear blasts distribution company? Uh, talk to me about going independent. A lot of these younger bands, newer bands, brand new bands, these hype, hype bands, uh, such as yourself and uh, Carcosa, is another one that comes to mind. Um, I love um, another one comes to mind is um, Brand of Sacrifice and Shadow Intent are doing it as well. Um, talk to me about deciding to do this all independently.
1: Well, um, you know, I had a I had a pretty bad experience with labels in my past. So I've been very hesitant, um, you know, and and as soon as we started the band, as soon as I even posted online, I had a couple people from a couple different labels hit me up. Really, without any music out at all, at all, and I was like, I don't know, I want to see how it goes, you know, blah blah. blah. Then blood, blood, we got hooked up with Blood Blast. Avocado from Europe wanted yeah. to work with us, which is fucking, I love Avocado, Marco, and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and I love the Avocado teams. They're all so rad. So I can't wait till we finally actually get to go do stuff. You know, we've had a couple offers and all that, but just, you know, with the pandemic and everything, it kind of just didn't work out um, And other, you know, resurgences of things. But, uh, you know, it's not that I'm opposed to getting with the label. It's just that, you know, the deal has to be beneficial for both parties. It it needs to be a partnership. Um, Now, apparently, you know, unbeknownst to me, labels have changed. They've done 180s um, with the current situation of really not needing them too much anymore. You know, so I guess a lot of them are more willing to work with you on different things. So it's beneficial for that partnership. So it's not that I'm opposed to it. It just has to be a good enough deal. But you know, once you start getting to be a bigger band and you start getting all these other opportunities, sometimes you need a little bit of a bankroll for certain things. You know, you gotta fly to Europe, you gotta fly, you gotta do this, gotta do that. So, you know, I guess it de- it just depends on the situation and what is going on, you know. It's it's I mean, if sulfur would totally get on a label if if the if the deal is what it needs to be. Um that being said, every band that's able to do it independently is gods in my eyes because it's so much (laughs) work. you know I have a full time (laughs) career you know like it's it's I you know I I work at my barbershop and and you know I'm also a dad of two children I have a wife I you know it's very hard to focus everything into a band when it's independent when you have so many other things going on and thankfully you know my band members are awesome and you know they do a lot but like it's you know it all depends on how big you want your band to get, and how big things you want to do, and how much time and opportunity you have, or you know, or how much you can put into the band yourself. Mm-hmm. I guess
0: it's, so. it's extremely difficult being independent. Cryptopsy was independent uh, since 2012, and uh, we have just recently signed a deal with someone. But I know exactly what you're talking about. It's it's everyone has to do a job, and it's mm-hmm. it's endless. Know, it's, it's never ending. Luckily, you got you hooked up with uh, Bradley Zordrager. Uh, how has it been working with him?
1: Brad is my king. I love Brad. Brad is enough sulfur. He's a member of the band, as far as I'm concerned. I love that. He, you know, he's our manager. He's done, he breaks his back for us. And we, you know, we, yeah, it's like I, I tell everybody, he's not just that. He's he's a member of the band. He's a full-time member of the band. Um, so, you know, I, I sing Brad's praises to everybody I can. There's just nobody who I've ever met that cares as much for the people that he works with as Bradley does. So he's, you know, he we, we call him King Brad, basically. <laughs> I, love
0: that. I could never actually even like knowing him and have a, I've had him on the podcast before. I could never imagine him working with a band that he doesn't love. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just don't think that he would have it in him. He has he has zero bullshit. <laughs> he can't bullshit.
1: <laughs> well, you know, he came out and stayed at, our, at my house, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I have a, a bigger place with a guest room and stuff, and and that's why we chose this place. And the dude was like, literally, from the moment I went to bed, oh, pretty much, and then when I would get up, he was on his computer working, mm-hmm. like he does not stop. I'm like, Brad, you gotta like, you gotta like relax a little bit. Then he's like, Man, I got too much stuff to do, bro. I gotta work. It's almost like that whole I can sleep when I'm dead attitude, you know. Mm-hmm. But go for him because, you know, it, it really shows and, you know, he he's very, very genuine and he's a very, very good person, too. So uh,
0: something else that brought a lot of attention to of sulfur is obviously having Tim Labesis on a <laughs> song. Uh, Talk to me about that. Uh, You guys are friends. You guys met at the Suicide Silence uh, Mitch Memorial Show. Uh, You've been friends. Uh, You've kept being friends since then. Talk to me about bringing him on. And uh, were you worried about any of the backlash considering there's sort of a polarized view on Tim?
1: You know, like, I met Tim at the Suicide Silence Show. And to be honest, man, like, Tim was one of the night, like, at that show. And I'm not going to throw shade on anybody because I don't, you know, do that. But, like... Tim was the nicest, one of the nicest other singers at that show that I've ever met hands down. And me, me never meeting him ever before that Uh was just so humble and nice and just hung out with me and my buddy James, whereas some other, you know, like there was a couple other big names there that, you know, I didn't really like, they kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I haven't been able to listen to them since I'm not going to go into who they are, but you know, it is what it is. Um, But Tim was great, man, you know, and then all that stuff happened and, you know, he showed everybody that he's human and he made a mistake and, you know, thankfully it didn't go into fruition, but, you know, and he did what society deemed he needed to do. And, you know, I'm not a perfect person. I'm far from a perfect person. I I am not someone who has any place judging anybody else, in my opinion. I don't think we have any any position, any right to judge anybody. We don't know situations. We don't know anything. And that's not me validating or, or, or saying it's okay of anything that happened. I'm not going to say that at all. But then again, man, I'm an outside point of view. I don't know everything, you know? And even that, man, Tim is the first person to try everything he can to apologize to random people for what he did. He's like, the guy is just, he's family, man. Like, he's not just a friend of me. I, I love the dude. I love him so you know he's just and he's worked really hard to to better himself you know and that's what he does now he helps people as his like you know besides music as well he's got all these degrees and and you know mental health stuff and 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 he helps people when they get out and just the guy's just like he should get a freaking humanitarian award honestly you know and we, we didn't really stay in touch too much until recently he saw, um, you know, because he had his stuff going on. I had my stuff going on and, and whatnot. And we only kind of knew each other before, but like he saw my before and after photo because, you know, I'm, I'm a hundred pounds bigger than I used to be. Right. You know, and depression will make you real skinny. Like I was back in the day, you know, and I got a, gr- a wife who cooks very good for me. And so I don't have a problem eating food now and lifting. So he saw my photo. And he messaged me on Instagram and he's like, Hey man, what's up? Uh, You know, it looks like you and I got the same kind of, you know, before and afters we should get together and get a lift in and, and maybe do some stuff. And I'm like, yeah, man, like I would love to, you know, like I said, man, I'm not one of those people who holds things against people that had nothing to do with me. So, you know, and uh, so I sent him, (laughs) we were talking and you know, whatever. And I sent him a video of me actually singing, in my car, and has "Anodyne C," which is like one of my favorite songs by them. Right? He he like wrote back laughing, and he's like, "Man, we should we should do some music together," you know? And I'm like, "Yeah, uh, bucket list." Yeah, you know. I grew up. I, you know, they were one of my favorite bands. He was one of my favorite singers. You know. We were talking about it, and then I talked to my guys, and they're like, "What the f- really?" And and we sent him a track, and he ended up sending some stuff back. And he's like, I don't know which one you like better. Here's a few different options. This is this one. They're they're not, keep in mind they're rough and, you know, they're kind of crappy or whatever. His words <laughs> showed my dudes. Uh, we all listened and we're like, how is this crappy in any way? We could use this right now. So, um, you know, it's kind of been like a fever dream to even have him on a track with me as well as be such good friends, you know? so. I wasn't scared of backlash. You know, people are going to feel the way they're going to feel no matter what you say or do. It's not my job to make anybody think anything. um, Nor do I want to, you know, and like I said, I'm not validating or or saying it's okay with what happened because it's not. But at the same time, man, don't we want people to get better? Don't we want to be able to see people improve themselves, you know, everybody preaches all this stuff about being forgiving and, and this, this and that and blah blah, 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 blah. And it's like, if the people who are involved can forgive themselves and each other, everybody else should maybe take a page out of their book and try to, you know, look at it and better themselves by being able to forgive someone. It's
0: true. Society loves a horror show for some reason,
1: you know, and, and people are going to call me whatever they want. I don't really care. I don't live for other people. I live for, for me and the people I care about.
0: That's beautiful. I love that. Um, Something else that you did that was really very very cool for sulfur was bath bombs. Yeah, <laughs> talk to me about that. Where did that idea come from? Was it Brad? It sounds like a Brad idea.
1: It every you know Brad is a marketing uh, <laughs> the guy like you know he he what what do they say he like he pisses excellence like he wakes <laughs> up and shits gold. It's crazy. This the stuff he says works. You know, and I had, I, th- I think I was talking to someone about it and I had mentioned it in passing or whatever. And, and then, you know, one day Brad comes comes as well and, and like he had the same idea, but way better and, or, or whatever. And, and we had never spoken about it before either. Um, but when it comes down to it, like marketing of Sulphur ones and making them look the way they were, but that was all Brad, man. Like, and people love it. I haven't seen another band do it. I have, or at least in our genre, maybe. I think it's super so, sick. <laughs> yeah, all the bands we tour with are just like, damn, we should have thought of that. That's a great idea. I was like, I was like we should have trademarked it. Shit.
0: <laughs> hey, what's up, Fox and Hops? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right. I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates This is a sober February episode, uh, you being straight edge. I'd love to, if you're open to discussing this, um, this is a major part of your identity. Um, when did this decision come into play? Uh, how long have you been straight edge? Have you always been straight edge? Uh, open up about that if you feel like it.
1: So, um, hmm, shit, I think I I turned straight edge before I could even legally drink, technically. And then, you know, people have their, their issues with that, and concerns, whatever. But I also started drinking very rare- You know, I grew up in a family riddled with, you know, substance abuse, alcoholism. I grew up around all of that. So I started early too, Um, you know, and it just, I don't remember how old I was actually, but there's a Christmas party that I don't remember. I ended up getting violent when I was really blackout drunk with someone. Almost did something that could have landed me in like, big trouble thankfully my best friend was there to throw me in a room and lock the door whatever I say said I was blackout drunk. I don't remember it um and I woke up the next morning felt terrible didn't know what I did which also made me feel even more terrible and that was kind of like the turning point so I think I might have been 18 or 19 at that point or or something I'm 30 I'll be 37 oh my god I'll be 37 in March (laughs) so it's been a long time you know um but that being said, I think everybody's first few years of being straight edge or sober or whatever, you have this mindset of where it's like, oh, you know, screw everybody who doesn't believe this way or or doesn't do this, this or that. I, I call it the uh, the hate edge years, you know, mm-hmm. little little funny thing. Um,
0: is that is that because you're afraid that you won't, you'll be like influenced to not continue what you've decided to do, maybe?
1: I don't know if it's that as much as it's you kind of. It's really weird because cause, and it's not I don't it's not how it's supposed to be but that straight edge lifestyle and mindset some people have just notoriously taken it to this crazy violent aggressive hateful spiteful mindset and and you get roped into that really easy and it's it's very very easy to succumb to that and just just grow this like just loathing for people and hate people who do what you don't. I don't necessarily think it's because you, you fear you might fall back into it, but it's just because you feel like, uh, you feel like, um, they're beneath you, which is a very terrible way to be and a very immature way to be. But, you know, it takes a lot of time for people to kind of, you know, realize some shit and mature and grow up.
0: And then make, make straight edge your own thing as opposed to yeah. this group yeah, mentality. You, know. you, you turn it into your lifestyle.
1: Exactly. You know, like, and you, some people don't agree with me on this or whatever, but like, I don't think anybody should force anybody to do anything in any way. Right. It, it's not everybody else. It's your own life, you know? So I have friends that drink. I would go, I would go hang out with them at the bars and just tell the bartender on the, the, the sober driver, they just give me free sodas all night, you know? And, and I would go with them and I could be around drunk people and I could have fun with my friends And I would drive them home and know they got home safe and and it would be fine. You know, I understand where people who are the only people that are sober in the room get irritated when people are like super drunk and fall over themselves. But you shouldn't be there if you can't handle that. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a them problem. It sounds like it's a you problem and you're putting yourself in that situation. You know, um, the amount of time that I've been this way now is it's it's what almost half my life, maybe even longer. I, I'm terrible with math, but um, <laughs> no. Yeah. I would say can, can, cause I didn't start. I started, I think I had my first sip of alcohol when I was like 12 or 13. Wow. Okay. Or four, four maybe 14. I forget exactly. Somewhere around that age. But I would say the majority of my life, I haven't done anything. If you mm-hmm. add before that. And now, so, you know, people would be like, man, how do you do that? You just do, you know, you don't come out of the womb drunk you know?
0: Yeah. Especially if you're coming from a family that, that there's massive issues
1: with addiction. Oh yeah. And and growing up and seeing it and seeing the people I love and care about struggle with it daily. Cause the, the, the assumption is if you go to rehab and you get help, you're no longer an alcoholic, which isn't true. You're an alcoholic or a drug addict every day of your life. It's, you have to fight every day to do it. And I grew up around all of that. So I've seen it from a different perspective than, you know, a good amount of people have. So I just, I didn't want to fall down that same path.
0: So you had that blackout experience. Your friend put you in the room. You woke up the next day feeling like shit. And then how quickly did you fall into becoming straight
1: edge? Well, that was the last time I ever drank ever, never did anything. Right. Which I never really did much ever before. I think I smoked weed a few times when I was younger and one time someone put Coke in it or something Hmm. and I didn't know. And that was terrible. And that Mm -hmm. was the last time I did that. That wasn't like my first year of high school or something or whatever, but um, I would say I think I was sober, right? You know, for p- probably a year or six months before I even started saying it or whatever. And even still, like now being it for so long, I don't even really like telling people. I don't really feel the need to label it because you know you, you you you're it for so long you're just like, Hey man, I'm just, I'm just Ricky, you know, Mm -hmm. or I'm just me. I don't need to tell you what I do or don't do. Um, but you know, I, I probably a year ish. I mean, if I remember correctly before I started like claiming it and getting tattooed, I mean, I have like 30 straight edge
0: tattoos. Your first tattoo I read is what?
1: Oh yeah. So my first tattoo was actually, was a straight edge tattoo. Um, it was, uh, it was a little straight razor on the back of my my you know in the middle of my my back and above my shoulders which is funny because i'm a barber now and i had three x's on it. the artist didn't even finish it he didn't shade it it was just an outline and he ripped me off on it so it's covered my back piece now because it was done really badly but yeah i forget how old i was when i got that
0: but yeah everything that you're saying is just it is you lucked out almost because all of the anger that you had those years in suffocate had you mm-hmm. been drinking or using drugs on
1: top of that, Yes,
0: dude, it would have been volatile and a fireball just waiting to go
1: off. Oh man. Like even without, I had to go to therapy after suffocate. Like I went to, I went to a lot of therapy, you know, and, and I've read a lot and done a lot of stuff because, because all those issues, you know, so it's like mental health and that if I would have had that compiled, like, um, yeah, it would have been, I don't even want to know what that would have been. It's like. horrible.
0: So, so it's, it's a, a lucky thing that happened so early to you. For you, <laughs> yeah, man.
1: <laughs> Very lucky.
0: What what advice uh, or motivation would you have for people that are on the fence about wanting to go sober, wanting to be straight edge? Do you have anything you'd like to say to that?
1: You know, uh, I would say, you know, do what you want to do and what you feel is best for you. Don't 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 use anybody else's you know reasons or whatever to try to change your life cuz you're living your life you know if 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 you have a funner time having a few drinks and whatever then have a few drinks or if you have a problem with it then try to work on your problem cuz it's a problem but if if you don't then just do you i guess you know not everybody is is meant to to live that type of lifestyle and just like not everybody's meant to you know, I guess just do what's best for you is what I'm trying to say. Yeah,
0: absolutely. The time has come. Let's talk about being a barber. I love this. You're the first barber I've spoken to on the podcast. I think this is awesome.
1: Oh, nice. You opened uh,
0: your your own barber shop, Recreum. Uh, it's in Henderson, Nevada, 16 miles outside of Vegas. Um, I'm impressed because uh, you only work four days a week, mm. and uh, you have to book an appointment because if not, they can't get you. Uh, talk to me about being a barber. Where did this come from? What, what, where did this passion stem from and then building and then building?
1: <laughs> so when I was in suffocate, I would come home and have these maybe a week or two in between because we toured
0: mm-hmm. Relentlessly.
1: extensively nonstop, like, you know, but uh, I would go hang out at the time at a barbershop in LA that I had friends, you know, I had friends that friends at the time that worked there and I just had an eye for good haircuts. I have, I have an eye for shape hair men's haircuts are huge with shape shape is really big with that um but i had that eye for it and a friend of mine named melissa was like you should go to hair school you should you should be a barber you just have the eye for it and i feel like you'd be really good at it and i i I thought about it for a few months and over a few tours and whatnot and uh you know i got into it with my drummer which you know i think is pretty pretty uh pretty widely known knowledge now because i'm not shy about that but um We got into a pretty heated argument over the phone. Thankfully it was over the phone. (laughs) Um, You know, I, I, I was in a bad, you know, violent place at that time. And uh, everybody in the band at that time had a different like side gig, you know, like, you know, one was a cook, one did farmer's markets, one sold drugs. Um, Yeah. Ironic. Uh, You know, everybody had something else. And me, I was the one that did, interviews and talk to people and i was like the face of the band you know and which i got shit for which is ironically ironic you know but uh, i was the only one that wanted to do it so we got into this fight yeah it's just what happens when you're a singer uh we got into this fight and i told everybody i was like you know what man like i need something else to do on the side because you guys all have your thing i need something so i was like i'm gonna go to barber college um and I've reconciled with everybody in that band except for the drummer who I had issues with. And I probably won't ever reconcile with him. It's just not really a point to it. Um, so, Taylor, the guitar player, who I love dearly, um, he's all, oh, well, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, how long does the school take for it? And I was like, I don't know. I think like six months. I had no idea that uh, Barber College takes 1,600 hours.
0: Okay. Geez, extensive. So,
1: yeah. yeah it, or 1,500 in some states, 1,600 in others. So, um, you know, I ended up going to it, you know, and and in that band, the drummer tried to turn everybody against me when we had that issue, which really soured me, as well as all the other stuff I was going through. So I was in barber college for, I don't know, two months, and I sent everybody a text saying, I'm done, I'm out, I quit, I'm going to be a barber which they claimed that they never got. The drummer got it though cuz he was excited about it cuz he wrote back awesome, you know. Or whatever. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's it pretty beautiful funny. beautiful um, family relationships. Yeah. on the road. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is, man. But uh but so everybody else claimed that they didn't get the text. They thought I just cuz he told them they they learned from him. You know, the label wasn't happy, but it was a big old thing. So uh I just started going to barber college, I immersed myself in it, I turned my back on metal and hardcore music, I would still listen to like my mainstay bands, but I stopped trying to discover new bands. I just focused on hair and I got that school done in nine months. I think. Wow. Yeah. I went, Intense. I went full time. I went every day. I went day and night. I went weekends because I just wanted to get it done with and get it over with and, and, and do it, you know? And, uh, <laughs> technically you're not allowed to do that, but our school broke a lot of rules and, and they ended up losing, losing their accreditation actually after oh, I graduated. <laughs> yeah. They were, they were doing a whole bunch of terrible shit,
0: <laughs> which worked so, out well um, for you, but
1: <laughs> it worked out fine for me. Cause I got, I got out fast, you know, I did all the schooling, So I actually, so after that, I worked at a salon in Fullerton. It's a high-end salon, real, real fancy place. Like Jenna Jameson would go there to do her hair and wow. other, other people like
0: you that. You had the, you had the years at that point.
1: Yeah, uh, I had them, but I got them sewn up, I think, six months into working okay, there. Okay, 2013, yeah. you, you got the, the, the ears, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, from there, I opened up a shop.
0: I'm just imagining a, hop, a fancy place and people coming in and their reaction. Yeah,
1: They actually got mad when I didn't wear my plugs because of mm-hmm. my droopy ears. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but when I got them all sewn up, they were like,
0: oh my God, You're this so is so cute. much better. <laughs>
1: And that, that, that salon ended up getting run into the ground because uh, the owner didn't manage it very well. So uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the singer from that band Lit. Remember really? that band Lit? Yeah, 100%. My own AJ, worst enemy. Yeah. Yeah. AJ bought the salon. Really? And wanted to keep me on, but I didn't like a lot of the things. So I was like, I, you know, I have my own clientele. I'm just going to go open up a private studio. So my first actual private studio was in Fullerton, California, where I used to live. And that was called Ricky Hoover Men's Grooming. And, um, you know, I had that for years and developed this huge clientele. And then my son's mother and I got together and we had a kid. We split up. She moved back to Vegas where she lives or where she was from. My Then I met my wife. We got married. Um, and we just decided it'd be best to move to Vegas because, you know, my son's here. And making him go back and forth, although he was young and it didn't really bother him too much, because we just watch a movie in the car. Eventually, we knew we would have to go or do something because you know. So my wife, who's a saint, I'm very lucky. um, She was like, "Let's just move out there." Like, tell her we'll move out. We'll you know we'll save up. We'll do whatever. Um, You got to close your shop, but you can you can rebuild your you know you'll be fine. So, um, we got married, uh, a lot of the wedding money that we got from friends and family was used to move out here. Uh-huh. And her, her great grandmother helped us a lot too, with like the immigration stuff. Cause she's from Australia. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I got me an Aussie. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, man, we moved out here. I worked at a shop out here for two years and then I opened up Requiem and man, it's been like, it's really hard to get in with me. It's, it's, it's insane.
0: It's, it's just so damn cool. I think it's, you know, part of me is like, why does he want to go back on the road? If he's, got <laughs>
1: well, that's the thing, man. Like I told my dudes, I was like, originally I didn't want to tour at all. I just wanted to play sh- like big festivals if we could or whatever, even if we even played, I just want to put music out. And, you know, like
0: Brad was like, no, I'm, you gotta go. on tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, it's just, we started getting all these crazy offers to do things. And I was like, oh man, I can't pass this up." holy crap like you know and this other stuff that i can't really talk about is like uh, you know we're getting like gnarlier opportunities than suffocate did uh-huh. Uh-huh. and it's like what the shit we've been a band for maybe a year now it's amazing the music has only been out since august give or take yeah like we got our streaming numbers and my jaw hit the floor uh-huh. like on spotify alone for an album that came or an ep that came out in august Uh we had six hundred and twenty six point nine thousand streams it's amazing um it it, it didn't compute and that's only on spotify (laughs) and then we have all the stuff on youtube Uh then like the other streaming services it's just it doesn't make sense at all to me so um you know I, i It's just, they were like, well, we got this offer to do this, or we got, we can do this, or this might be fun. We can do it for this little amount of time. So it works with your schedule. So it's, it's just, it's, I'm not, we're not going to do crazy extensive touring because I can't do that. I have kids, I have a wife, I have a business. So does my, my bass player, um, my bass player, Matt, he has kids, he's a marketing guy. So he, he really can't do it either. So, but that doesn't mean we can't do some fun stuff, you know, but.
0: Yeah, you hear the kids in the background. Uh, yeah, I apologize. I'm, I'm very used to it. I got two young ones as well. Uh, what about your clientele? Uh, who's a typical client that comes to uh, to Recreum to get? it? Is it an av- average Man. average people or is it metalheads? Uh, who comes to get the yeah, honestly? Cuts? It's
1: it's 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 everything. It's crazy. I have people come to me that saw me play when they were twelve. That trips me out. I have older gentlemen who would hate my music if they heard it. <laughs> I have like I have just uh, anybody you could imagine. I have people come to me, I have female clients who like really cool short haircuts that are all texturized. I have you know, I, I I've had like Chippendales type dancer guys that have come to me for like cleanups and on their beards and their hair. I everybody, man, it's crazy. That's crazy.
0: Super 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 sick. So so you are the barber is there do you have staff with you there other people that also cut no it's just
1: you so it's it's a private studio so it's one chair it's just me it's appointment only and i don't really allow other people in um just because that way the experience is just me and that person which in my time doing that my decade or so doing this i've learned that people appreciate that a lot more and with covid and everything else it was kind of just like the right time to to open it because people want that security if you will with your sanitation and they're not going to be around a bunch of other random people who could have whatever
0: absolutely absolutely so so if you do go on tour it's 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 shut down and that's just the way that is
1: unfortunately yeah um until i can really find someone that i trust Mm -hmm. to run it when i'm gone you know because because in a perfect world i'd like someone to be to work there the days that i'm not there but you know i don't want to talk bad about the place i live now but you know, with, with, a, with the exception of a few people, Vegas is a cesspool of just <laughs> garbage people, man. It's terrible. <laughs> My wife and I would move away from here if we could. Mm-hmm. I understand. Unfortunately. But you mean, just you terrible. have
0: to protect your brand and your the vision of what you want for Requiem. So.
1: Oh, exactly. You know, so I, I don't want to have someone I don't really trust or know work there and ruin it. Especially because, like, you know, like, I've built it up, you know. Yeah, so. and it's
0: you it's an extension of yourself exactly one last question i typically wrap up with something about beer so we're not going to do that we're going to talk about <laughs> what the best part of this pandemic has been for you oh man so much negative we hear about all the negatives i like to focus in a little bit on the positive positive. one positive thing that has happened thanks to well i
1: had my daughter
0: Congratulations. So she just
1: turned two the day after uh christmas this year so she's two now um, it brought my wife and I a lot closer. I had the band. I got my shop. So I mean, there's been a bunch of things, you know. Uh, unfortunately, you know, a lot of people I know lost everything, but I, I gained a lot. So yeah, it's it hasn't been. It's been it's been very. I've been very fortunate from the pandemic. So I, I guess just, you know, I don't know. There's been a lot of good things. <laughs> the band as well. So that's
0: good that's excellent news i love to hear that uh, ricky thank you so so much for taking the time hanging out with me talking about your life music and being a straight edge for a sober february episode i really really appreciate it massive massive thank you i really really yeah. appreciate it. <laughs> excellent chat
1: i appreciate you thank you for having me on hold on i'm, I'm gonna unscrew this so i can cheers you cheers <laughs>
0: Hey, thank you all so so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that man. That I ever have a blast with Ricky. I was very very stoked to have a conversation with him. Uh, it took some time to actually get this conversation in the bag, but once I did, I was very 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 excited about it. I really really had a great time chatting with Ricky. He really had a very interesting and intellectual approach to life, and I really do believe that this was quite the enlightening conversation. There's a bunch of uh, things that he spoke about that really resonated with me afterwards. And I hope that some of these things resonate with you as well. Massive cheers to Ricky. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to hang out with me. And a huge, huge thanks to Bradley Zordrager for helping me set up this interview. Now, if you enjoyed this Vox & Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox & Hops Metal Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S dot com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened throughout the past week in the world of the Vox & Hops Metal Podcast. Including all the details for any episodes which I may have dropped if I've been a guest on someone else's podcast. As well as a little portrait on the album reviews which the album review crew have dropped that week. And you'll get the links to the Brutal Awakenings playlist, and you will also see which albums The Metal Architect, my boy Jerry Monk, has added to the Brutal Awakenings playlist that week. The Brutal Awakenings playlist is packed with the best, newest music every single week. It's available on both Apple Music and Spotify. And trust me, if you're looking for some new music to listen to, well, the Brutal Awakenings playlist is where you want to go. There's just so much going on in the world of the Vox and Hoff Hospital podcast. I would hate for you to miss a single thing. And the best way to stay updated is to sign up to that mailing list. The Vox and Hops Metal Podcast is brought to you by Sound, Talent, Media, and Evergreen Podcasts. I hope you have a glorious rest of the week. I will be back this Friday with another Vox and Hops Sober February 2022 episode. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops Hits. <laughs>